like scary movies. Uh-huh. I'm getting ready to watch a video. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. What's, what's, what's your favorite? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. Talk to me. Talk, talk to me. Hi, everybody. I'm George, and welcome to the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And you might have heard today's guest on Guys with Brian Quinby or bringing back the prank call as an act of civil service while hosting not even a show. Please welcome Chris James. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. I want to be clear, though. uh, People probably already said this, but a lot of them have been picked. So I do. This is one of my favorite movies ever, but you don't let people double up. And there's some that are just so fucking good. You must have that a lot where people are like, I want to do this one. It has been coming up more and more as the list has gotten longer. It's been interesting too seeing like which ones just don't get picked. Like Halloween still up there. Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, really? Still up there. Yeah. That that is kind of interesting because Halloween, the original Halloween was very, very good. It's great. I I, I don't, um, I don't remember Nightmare on Elm. Like I watched that when I was younger only, but I've rewatched Halloween as an adult and it it holds up definitely. definitely. It's a fantastic slasher movie. Yeah, it has definitely been interesting to see sort of what what lingers on the shelf and what uh, what gets pulled off real quick. But uh, for me, for this week, it's the best horror movie ever made is what I'll say. And uh, before we get into the movie, why don't we uh, talk a little bit about your history with horror? Is it something that you uh, watched frequently growing up or or something that you still like a lot or more uh, now and then kind of thing? Well, I did watch it growing up. Definitely. I was like, you know, not a huge, I wasn't hugely into it. I wasn't like buying merch from stuff or anything like that, or, you know, getting dolls from Nightmare on Elm Street or anything, but I definitely watched all those movies and enjoyed them. Always loved a good scare. I am obsessed with movies now. So I watched like every movie that comes out basically. And I watch a movie a day, essentially. So I do watch horror. I do like horror. I definitely, I think people can understand this. It's, it, I have to be feeling a certain way. So sometimes there are days where I just say, I want to watch you know, some of the nastiest shit you can imagine, just some mm-hmm. of the darkest stuff. So yeah, the, it, it's really a vibes thing for me. I did watch uh, the new Evil Dead the other night. I'm trying to think. There's been some great new horror movies. Uh, you probably mm-hmm. talked about some of them on here, but yeah, like I really loved X and Pearl. The Those two I thought were fantastic. And then obviously Barbarian. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a real... For, I think for a while there, and this might be ignorant, but for a while there, I, I don't know, they were feeling a little bit like it was a tired genre almost like it was all the same stuff happening over and over which i guess is the case with a lot of movie (laughs) genres but yeah i think recently there's been some excellent so i've really gotten kind of back into horror recently yeah i mean it's it does go through these waves where it'll be like all right there's going to be a glut of slashers and it can be tiresome if you're not into slashers Mm -hmm. but you know hey if i wait out a couple years this is gonna fade into the uh into the zeitgeist and something new will pop up and and we have been getting some really great stuff. I've been really enjoying it. I'm curious if you have like a favorite subgenre because when we were discussing your movie picks, a lot of the ones that came up were fairly grounded. Yeah. I'm curious if that's something that speaks to you versus more supernatural stuff. Yeah, I'm not I'm not as big into like I'm not a big sci-fi supernatural. I mean, I still I'll, I'll you know, not to say I don't like those types of movies, but I like more realism definitely. Having said that, I do gravitate towards slashers, definitely, because I like ultraviolence. I'm a Mm -hmm. fan of ultraviolence, so 
like you know movies that have very creative kills kind of and those like you know those ones where you're like oh what oh my god are you kidding me um i do like that but i mean like the one we're going to talk about today i like realistic terrifying dark uh kind of movies and not just in horror like you know i'll definitely watch some real sort of dark crime thrillers and stuff that are pretty they don't leave you with a lot of hope you know definitely mm-hmm. and that is a great transition because the movie we're talking about today is kim ji woon's i saw the devil many of the most famous korean crossover hits tend to be sort of baked in revenge as a theme including park chan wook's entire vengeance trilogy all incredible and kim's own 20, uh, 2005 banger a bittersweet life which is one of my favorite korean movies great movie and part of what makes these movies so appealing to me personally is twofold first american gun culture isn't really a thing over there There are occasionally guns flashed, but by and large, fights tend to be much more up close and personal, blades and bludgeons. They're not doing excessive cutting to try and create excitement because the action itself is exciting and choreographed instead of a guy is standing there shooting. Yes, most definitely. The I mean, I don't think that's telling tales out of school to say that that tends to be in not just but Korean cinema, but a lot of Asian cinema that there's better fight scenes and there's better sure. choreography happening. And yeah, they don't rely so much on camera tricks. And if you watch a lot of movies like I do, it gets frustrating the camera tricks because you just they, it starts to like just wash over you. You know, it right. doesn't even feel like anything's happening because you've seen it so many times before. Yeah, some some real. You're right. There is a lot of revenge they love a revenge movie <laughs> in in korea they have some fantastic ones yeah the vengeance series is is so 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 good yeah lady vengeance i think is my favorite of that those actually wow but yeah i i i think along those lines that is what makes this i love revenge movies and I think this, to, for me, is the best revenge movie that has ever been made. And I, I really do believe that. I don't think they, that anyone's ever gotten it so right on a revenge film. Yeah, and I think that that is what this movie is getting, right? Because revenge is dirty work. Mm-hmm. And they're not shy about the violence. That's sort of part and parcel of it. And uh, they re- what also makes the movies so exciting is that they really do take the hits a lot of time. Choi Min-sik, who plays our antagonist, Chung Kool, said, I've been beaten up so many times in films, and we don't fake it. We actually have to fight when we shoot to make it real and to save film and time. Even the props that aren't real, like the bats, are plastic. They're still really hard. It still hurts. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I think about that often, that, like, if you're willing to do it, um, that obviously to film things actually happening. I was thinking about it with drunk people in movies the other day, just sort of along the same lines, and that like the only way to make it look truly realistic and truly real is have the person be drunk if For they're sure. able to. And I think it used to, you know, they used to happen in older cinema a lot that you know maybe before when it was acceptable to be drunk <laughs> all the time. But yeah, that that you're like, oh, this guy's really good. As, as acting drunk and you, you like look into him and you realize this guy was like an alcoholic he was drunk right. all the time so he was probably but yeah a, i mean a real fight is obviously you know you can do a real you know you can do a lot with blocking and things like that but nothing's gonna ever make up for or you know come close to the real thing actually watching people fight on camera um right. yeah i love i just want to step in and say that i love Choi min sick i absolutely for me he is one of the best actors period in the world and obviously he's famous from old boy people would know him from that but 
he has so many he has like uh at the something admiral roaring currents yeah. uh is a fantastic movie and then now i forget the name of it but there's one where he's hunting a tiger oh i don't think i know that one yeah he's a tiger hunter and he like has to like there's this man-eating tiger and uh yeah i've seen so many of his movies and i'm blown away every single time i just think he's such a good actor yeah he is really incredible and in the so I I have the Blu-ray and there's a behind-the-scenes documentary on it that I really enjoyed. And the fight choreographer uh, Jung Du Hong said that uh, Kim Ji Woon's concepts are so precise that it really lets them, like it really helps them out because they're so conceptually clear. And he's able to answer questions like as a director, he's able to actually have like a vision in his mind of what he wants the fights to look like, mm-hmm. which is helpful for a co- choreographer to be like, okay, this is realistic. This isn't realistic. We can make this happen. So that sort of working together, I think is really, is really crucial. And Kim himself talked about how expertise can be shackling is what he said. And not knowing much about say wrestling before making the foul King opened him up to experimentation and that collaboration. So I really love that sort of idea of being open to new things and just taking a crack at stuff you're not an expert in. Yeah, yeah, because I was going to ask, like, does he it, does he know, does he have a background in choreog- fight choreography? Is he potentially a martial arts guy himself? But it's not, not the case, no. No, no. Yeah, 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 no, that's, I mean, the fights in it are really, really good, really... Um, and there's just some really, really horrifyingly wonderful violence in it as well. I mean, obviously a lot of people will get to it, I'm sure, and talk about it, but where he slices his Achilles is, you know, I don't, I don't know. You don't really see that too often, that type of violence. Right. Especially unflinching like that. Yeah, totally. Our protagonist, Kim Soo-yeun, is played by Lee Byung-hun, reunited with Kim Ji-woon from A Bittersweet Life and The Good, The Bad, The Weird. Each delightful. I'm a big fan of this guy. He's impossibly handsome. It's yeah, incredible. He's, he's so he's got that jawline <laughs> is just incredible on him. Yeah, he he really is, and he's really that cool, calm, collected kind of character. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, great action star. I oh yeah, good, the bad, and the weird is the good, the bad, and the ugly remake, right? Yeah, it's it's like taking place in Manchuria. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's this cool like train heist. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's no, a lot that, of fun. that is a fun movie for sure. Choi Min-sik, like you said, uh, he is known for old boy, but he also got his start uh, on stage and screen. He had to work his way up, a real actor's actor. Broke out as a film star in two cult faves, uh, number three in 97, and The Quiet Family in 98, also directed by Kim Ji-woon. So double reunion for the actors. Wow, that's cool. Maybe I haven't seen that Quiet Family. Maybe I'll watch that. It's a fun one. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Min Sik said he does tend to go a little method, and if he became any more immersed in the role, he might have gone to prison. Uh, (laughs) I grabbed this quote from an interview, which I've slightly edited for clarity and concision, but he said, "Uh, When I first saw the script, I felt this person could only have been born this way, with evil genes. He looked like everyone else, but who he is became incredibly sad to me. However, the victim is sacrificed by this utter psychopath, and having been embroiled in a huge amount of sadness and anger transforms into a devil that's even worse than the psychopath. I found that idea and process very interesting, almost a reversal of the origin of violence. And these two characters being gridlocked in these extreme acts would be of interest to viewers and in some way contaminate them in the process. And what lay beyond the acts of violence of the two men was what I really found interesting. It grows to such an extreme that it almost becomes comedic in a sense, 
and objectively watching it, it's, you can see it's true. It's true. It re- if you haven't seen this movie, it does at a point because, yeah, we'll get into it. But, you know, he puts a tracker on him yeah. and and he's just continually fucking with this guy. And it, it's so violent and horrifying. But at the same time, you're like, oh, God, he's got him again. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. And he just says, yeah, I wanted to take a look at this this contamination of violence and violation. I, we share society uh, being rather overwhelmed with acts of violence and in the world we live in now to share the terror and feelings of fear that come with it uh, and get that catharsis. So I thought that was an interesting quote from him. Yeah, very thoughtful. Not surprising. He seems like kind of a thoughtful guy. I mean, listen. That's all beyond. I'm like, I just, hey, I like seeing him do the, you know what I mean? I'm like a classic dumb guy. I'm like, get his ass. He's bad, you know? But yeah, yeah I mean, obviously there's more to it. And I, yeah, th- this movie definitely makes you feel differently than just a standard revenge movie. It doesn't, definitely. it doesn't, like, even a dumb guy like me who's just like, get him, you know? It's forcing you to be like, oh, geez, like, this is, like he said, the person becoming worse than, you know, like, it really does bring that to you, like, okay, is he, is he, is there something wrong with this? Is this guy worse than that yeah. guy? And it really sort of forces you to, um, look inward as far you know as far as how violence works in this world and so i i i definitely yeah even for a dumb guy it, this seems to have some meaningful messaging to it yeah uh, i i like what lee byung hun said in an interview a few years after the movie he said i think this is a movie that shows how a person loses a sense of who they are after losing the one they loved it seemed like the unexplainable emotions that my character felt could be worth being questioned by others, and that's why the scenario was appealing to me. Any other film that's based on revenge gives a sense of satisfaction, mm. but this movie gives feel- gives viewers the feeling that they're getting lost in a maze as the story develops. The audience will wonder what one gets out of revenge after looking at my character. Yeah, yeah, totally. So he said the thing I was saying, but in like a smart way. <laughs> Yeah, I he appreciate. agreed with you. He, he agreed, agreed with me and then made it smart. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. After the premiere, he said, I felt a bit burdened after the screening because I started to wonder how the audience would take it. And I remembered the dark and serious atmosphere from the set. I was in the waiting room with actor Choi Min-sik and director Kim after the screening, and we didn't say a word to each other. Actually, Choi Min-sik said one thing to me. It was, hey, got a light? <laughs> He's my big smoker. <laughs> That's funny. So the movie did come out. Well, so it got a restricted screening rating, not once, but twice, which they thought was a joke at first. Uh, Restricted films are considered, quote, a highly bad influence to universal human dignity, social value, good customs or rational emotion. Mm, Yeah, I mean, listen, (laughs) I'm not for censorship or anything, but if that's what the you know, if that's what they're going off of, then Mm -hmm. I would say this would be a movie that I mean, it is really extreme. It rides the line. line. Definitely. This did prevent any release in theaters or home video until they cut a minute and a half out of it, basically. And it finally released in South Korea on August 12th, 2010, uh, where the brutality and interesting tone led to a mixed reception. Fans and haters alike calling it horrific. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that. Now I'm I am wondering. I can't help but wonder what was in that minute and a half. 
Yeah. That Ooh. they cut out because the movie's so fucked. And it's like, what was in there that they're <laughs> like, that was so bad that they're like, right. this is too bad to even show, you know? That, that I would love to actually, I wonder if there's any way to find out what those, or if those deleted scenes exist or if they ever did get released, you know? They, uh, there are some deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. I'll have to, I actually didn't get a chance to check them out, but I'll have to look into what, uh, what exactly was missing. Yeah, I wonder if that. Yeah, I wonder if they were even allowed to put it on the DVD. I would love to look into that or on the Blu-ray, you know, like yeah. to see if those exist. Those minute and a half, definitely. Uh, so let's get into the actual movie. It starts off with this slow drive through a snowy Korean countryside. We are re- eventually rest on Ju Yun waiting for a tow truck and excitedly talking about her plans for the future on the phone. Oh. People say it's good to be present, live in the moment. And there's a lot of good reasons for that. But for me, chief among them is you never tempt dramatic irony about getting murdered. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, this was very, it's tough because you know the movie's what it's about kind of even going in. <laughs> and she's and as soon as that character starts talking about the plans for the future, you're like, uh-oh, <laughs> this person ain't going to have a future, I don't think. That's right. And we learn from the man on the other side of the phone call, Special Agent Soo Hyun, that it's her birthday. So that double irony oh, signs her death warrant. I Warren. forgot that it was her birthday. <laughs> they really they really piled it on. She's pregnant as well. That's right. And he doesn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> I love this uh, little character moment early on where Soo Hyun like, sneaks away to sing to her. And then somebody walks in and he like covers it up like he wasn't doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's because he's got to be that like hard, you know, he's like a special agent. Like a, he, he would be like a CIA guy. With, right. Yeah. Right. Back at the car, Choi Min Six, Jang Chung Kool approaches and offers to fix the tire, uh, but she declines. And he does this amazing, creepy, delayed smile at yeah. her while he considers what to do. Oh, oh God. And yeah, it's like he just immediately you are fucking creeped out by this guy. Like, he just does such an incredible... That's what I recall, too, is with it, it takes moments for you to be like, your hair is standing up on fucking from this guy. Like, he just embodied a, a horrible, horrible serial killer so well. Yeah, and he suddenly shatters the window, he starts bludgeoning her, and then he takes a moment to, like, soak it in and look down at her face and you and you're just like this dude is so fucked yeah <laughs> like, this guy yeah, you're is like so i hate up. this guy i hope somebody gets serious revenge on him <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is very effective mm-hmm. he drags the body away we get this great title card of the wide shot of her vehicle torn open with the text in the negative space really great stuff yeah really really good yeah then you get this impactful cut to Ju Yun in the body. We think she's already dead until her eyes fly open and you realize, oh, it's just getting started. Yeah, that's kind of the like, yeah, that's where it sort of sets the tone for the movie. Like, okay, a normal movie, this this scene would be over now, but we're going to show you even more violence. I, I, It's really, a, in revenge movies, you really, you want the, you know, the, the victim initially early on to be very innocent and very, you know, like if you want to really create... Um, anger towards this. And I think they do it really well. Like you said, birthday, looking forward to life, pregnant. And the best one ever in the history of revenge movies, though, is uh, Once Upon a Time in America. But the first scene, he just he just murders a child. <laughs> <laughs> that scene, it just like the opening scene, he just brutally murders a child. Sure. Oh, 
Yeah. Uh, Assault on Precinct 13, similar thing, where it's like the ice cream truck. <laughs> they oh, just yeah. shoot that kid who gets the ice cream Yeah, phone. that's a really effective <laughs> way. You don't see it in film too often. Definitely no. not anymore. You don't see no. children being murdered. <laughs> um, but it is, a, which I guess uh, is good, I it's guess. It's a power move, for it's sure. A, but yeah, it definitely is effective. And great. If you really want the audience to hate somebody and want them to like suffer serious and just have them murder a child. <laughs> So Jang chains her up. Ju Yun bangs for, begs for her life. This is where she reveals that she's pregnant, and it means nothing to Jang as he stabs down and begins to butcher her. Um, the uh-huh. engagement ring rolls away, and he looks for it, but doesn't see it in this nearby grate, and he just kind of shrugs it off. That's Oh, yeah, because that's back at his place, right? Right, right. Yes, yes. Because that's important. That's important. That it, Exactly. Yeah. And there's an amazing shot, too, where it's like in the middle of all this butchery and everything for them to take a moment to have this interesting shot of the drain outlet mm-hmm. suddenly becoming red with blood, like oh, yeah. water flowing out into the river. Yeah. It's just like a really great direction. Just really incredible. Mm-hmm. This little boy wandering around finds her ear in a field, which to me felt very blue velvet, especially since this is the discovery that upends Su Yun's life and sends him down the rabbit hole. Yeah. And this becomes a full search party, obviously. Ju Yun was the police chief's daughter, in addition to newly being Su Hyun's fiance. So Jang truly fucked up. He picked the wrong person. Yeah, he made yeah, he made an error in that there's <laughs> two different people with a lot of the power of the state to come yeah. down on him. But that doesn't end up being his issue. That's true. Just that to be true. just to be clear, he not to spoil the later <laughs> on, but he's hoping for prison. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yeah. When they find the head is so tense. I love this scene, just waiting for it to float up and you know it's the head and they know it's the head. And so they're reluctant, just really captures that feeling of not wanting it to be true. Mm -hmm. It does become a little comical again when the head spills out of the box in front of the press. (laughs) They do. They have it. I like that, too. You know, there's silly little fun moments in the midst of this horrifying, horrifying chain of events. I I find that they they do that very effectively in Korean cinema as well is like humor in a place where it doesn't feel appropriate, but it does add something to it and is very yeah yeah, i i enjoy that aspect of korean cinema yeah let's off a little of the pressure valve you know (laughs) like we're 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 stressed for sure but also we're here to have a good time yeah our protagonist is freaking out i also really like that they cut the music to let you actually absorb his emoting rather than just have it tell you what to feel which is great he swears at the funeral to make the killer pay for ju yun's pain and he says he's going to take two weeks off for bereavement more like revengement. Yeah, exactly. Bereavement. Yeah, right. We know what you're up to, buddy. He gets this little capsule with a mic and GPS snuck out from a tech guy at his secret agency office, and he gets to work on narrowing the four suspects down. Mm-hmm. First guy, Hyun, breaks in, shuts off the power to his porn just as he nuts. Funny and gross touch that in the searching for the cause, this guy just like wipes his hands on the seat curtain. Yeah, seat it's real nasty. And <laughs> this is when you get to see him just do some classic police brutality as well, uh-huh. where he's just like the he has nothing. He's just it's just an you know he doesn't have any evidence that these people they're just suspects or whatever. Right. And he just goes in and beats them up. I mean, they are all terrible. Like they're all people who have 
you know, I think this guy is a pedophile, right? Is that right? Yeah. So I think that they're all like, you know, really, but yeah, he's, he's not following. You sort of see right away. This guy does not much care about the rules in this instance. He's not right. interested he's in loose cannon. Yeah. He's, he's going to do whatever it takes to find this person. That's right. And it starts off with slapping the fuck out of this guy with the plug, which looks terrible. That looks really fucking painful. Yeah. There's another really funny moment in the interrogation that follows though, where, this guy that he's questioning isn't sure how to answer the question. You really don't know. And so he's like sobbing and he nods and then shakes his head and then goes back to nodding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, he sort of phrases it in a confusing way. <laughs> Cover all your bases. Uh, he bashes in this guy's dick with a wrench, though, who confesses to some cold cases, but not the crime at the beginning. So on to the next suspect. That's a, I just want to say that's a good detail as well, because you want... You're supposed to like the protagonist. And so I think they throw in stuff like, you know, like he confesses to some other crime. So you're like, okay, I don't feel any, I don't feel bad for this person who was just beaten up and who isn't actually the suspect because they're guilty of this other stuff. So they deserved it, you know? Right, right. Suhyun tracks down the second suspect in the street. He knocks him off his motorcycle with a car, then kicks the hell out of him. Uh, apparently, this was one of the more difficult scenes to put together between the way it was shot, the stunt off the motorcycle, then the action. And it was really funny in the behind-the-scenes documentary because they stitched together a bunch of unused attempts. Oh, really? Just this poor dude getting kicked in the <laughs> face over and over again. One of my, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he does it. At the, I don't think it even happens in this movie. But one of my favorite fighting things in Korean movies is the double drop kick that they do. Oh. They do it in Memories of Murder. Definitely, he That's does it right. to a guy. Uh, he does it to a guy on the on the hill. Um, but yes. where they just jump up and they like it's like they're sitting in the air, you know. So they just jump it's up and incredible. kick both of their feet forward. But they're like, I, 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 yeah, it's the only place I ever see it. But I've seen it like 10 times in Korean movies. Yeah, Song Kang-ho, the dropkick king. Yes. Oh, yeah, he, it's, he's done it a lot. <laughs> he's from, um, what's it called? Parasite. Parasite. what most people know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's another great, oh, we, we don't see the interrogation, but suddenly Suhyun is back at his wall tearing down the mugshot so we know it was a failure. Yeah. And there's another great sort of like silent character moment where he tries to go to sleep, but he's so consumed by this revenge that after a moment he sits up, debates internally what to do, and then gets up and just heads back to the wall for the next suspect. Revenge will wait for no nobody. <laughs> yeah, 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 don't have time. He's only got two weeks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and well, 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 who should be the third suspect? Younger and with more hair, but it's Jang. Yeah, and then so we know this is your guy. Mm-hmm. And while Suhyun works, a woman waiting at a bus stop late at night watches Jang's van roll up slowly. He tells her the buses have stopped running, and she refuses to get in at first, but it's awful dark and cold, and he's persistent. So she gets in, and, uh, you know, this is a classic trust your instincts situation. Ma'am, because don't get in the car. <laughs> yeah, the, it, the insistence is, but I think there is a weird thing in the world where people just don't want to be impolite. And, the, you know, that where you're wondering, like, of course, this seems like, but there is a weird thing where people, you know, if you're insistent enough or whatever, that somebody will go against their you know, their yeah. instincts. And it feels like that kind of moment here where he just... But yeah, because and of course, we know that he's a brutal murderer and we've seen him do that. But he also just looks terrifyingly yeah. creepy and he looks like a serial killer, you know, like and he's yeah. driving down this remote thing, just like picking like just everything about it would would get your defenses up, I think, personally. For sure. For sure. 
and he pulls out a metal pipe. He bashes her with it before taking her back to his place and using a damn guillotine on her. Yeah. That's, you know, this guy, you know that he's been at this a while when he's built a damn guillotine. He's built a damn guillotine, and he tell you what, it ain't for the billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> so the 99% always struggling at the hands of his guillotine. Totally, guillotine. yeah. There is an interesting moment here where Jang plays some, like, melancholy guitar after. Oh, yeah. I wonder, like, what what's he thinking? What's going on in that head? Yeah, he probably could write some pretty good songs, you know? He has, <laughs> he's seen and experienced a lot. I mean, well, I guess that, I guess Charles Manson's songs weren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> were, some of them were okay, not to be, not to be, but yeah, I, I guess it doesn't necessarily, lyrically, though, you'd think, like, he could bring some darkness that you sure. really haven't seen in music. Yeah, get someone to punch up whatever he's doing, really solidify it. But he, he get the base out there. He sure. can, yeah, and just get the messaging of like taking somebody's <laughs> life. I don't know that there's actually a big audience for that kind of music. Now that I'm thinking of it, <laughs> music about killing people. <laughs> there's this movie Strangler versus Strangler, and it, um, it basically the plot line is like this dude starts strangling women, and someone is like, "Oh, that's cool. I'm gonna write a song about it from his perspective." And then everyone's like. Well, this musician is obviously the strangler, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, wait a second, man. You're like, you're, this is not, <laughs> we haven't caught the guy yet. <laughs> uh, so, pretty fun movie. I, I would definitely recommend it for for people. But so, there's at least two <laughs> two killer songs out there. Yeah. But in his investigation, Su Hyun goes to meet with the rest of Jang's family, Kyung Chul's parents, and his abandoned son under the pretense of being an insurance agent. And Mama Jang is shocked by the mugshot photo, a stark contrast from the photo that she shows us, which is like a fun beach shot. He's having a good time out there. Yeah, it's that classic, what has become of my son? Who is this person I'm looking at? He was my sweet little baby boy, you know? And this is, yeah, this is important as well in the movie to see that, hey, they don't know him as this monster at all. They have no concept of what he has become. They still think of him in this, you know, nice way. Sure. My son wears aviators and cool shorts and hangs out at the beach. Yeah, he's catch a, get a little bit of vitamin. I mean, this guy's just looking for some beach time, like all of us That's looking right. to relax. <laughs> I mean, mind you, uh, who knows what he's doing? What he was doing at the beach? True. True. Just coping out. <laughs> Kyung Chul's son points Suhyun in the right direction, and the house is immediately fucked up. Uh, he also finds a trophy case filing cabinet full of shoes, bras, and handbags. And then as he continues deeper, the engagement ring, which confirms that this is the guy. So that's how he knows. This is, I mean, there's no other explanation for it. This guy's a suspect. The ring is there. Has to be the guy. Right. And it is kind of interesting to me that this is only 43 minutes into the movie. Korean movies, in my experience, tend to subvert the conventional A to B path of an American revenge movie because that tends to be we're searching for the killer the whole movie until the climax where we fight and he's dead. Yeah. But here we we found him quickly. And it's it's not this red hot anger. It's icy cold. And so now having found him, instead of just killing him, this is where the plot starts to really unfold. And old boy does something very similar. Yeah, totally. And it's not and just it is like a two hour and 20 minute movie. So it is fairly long as well. So it's not even it's not even close to halfway through them. It's like a third of the way through the movie. Right. And yeah, it definitely has that because I. I knew it was a revenge movie in the sense, you know, I, I had that basic, but yeah, I did have that feeling when it, okay, so what now? Like he's going to kill the guy, right? I mean, then what else, what else do we have to look forward to here? <laughs> 
Meanwhile, Jang is driving a bunch of young women home from school. There's a really great uncomfortable moment where he's like studying them in the rearview mirror, choosing which one is going to be his victim. And then the tr- camera pans down to reveal a little tracking device adhered to the van. Now he now because he has like a job like driving school kids, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Like he actually he's driving them and he has like a van or whatever, like with a bunch of different seats in the back. And so he's like, actually, yeah, that's actually his job driving school kids, right? Yep. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. <laughs> There's a great transition to night with the little set of lights on the rearview mirror clicking on. And unfortunately, one of the girls fell asleep in the back. So uh, he takes her back, digs a shallow grave, and he's about to rape her in it when someone says his name. Mm-hmm. He grabs his scythe and goes to investigate, and he sees Suhyun roll up, casual as you like, straight ahead. And I love this initial confrontation. Jang is, like, testing the waters with some brashness. Suhyun just, like, soaks it in. He's like, oh, it's really happening. Revenge starts now. It's like a, a Western shootout. Like, Yeah, that, that's that's in the garden? Yes, that, right. In the, yeah, that greenhouse The greenhouse area. area, yeah, okay, yeah. Jang runs at him with the blade, but he's stopped with some pretty serious ease. The fight choreographer did discuss this as well, not only having Jang use a variety of weapons throughout the movie to diverge from the conventional killers that are defined by what they use, but also the difficulty of keeping it interesting visually when one combatant is so much more trained as skilled as seen by the emphasis on joints and wrists in the like self-defense moves that Su Hyun is using. Yeah. Yeah. He's clearly, um, you know, could easily kill him. And so, yeah, there is that. Yeah. It's hard for it to remain interesting. That is, I never thought of that, but yeah, that is smart. Just have him use a bunch of different fucking weapons. (laughs) The girl in the grave, legs now untied, has crawled out. She makes a break for it mid-fight. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. I also love that they do, like, follow up on it. They're like, look, there she is. She's getting away. Don't need to stick around, really. Yeah, <laughs> just get out of there. Because, I mean, seemingly this guy is coming to help her, but then he just starts sort of fucking the other guy up, and it's kind of like, right. okay, maybe this is unrelated <laughs> to me. And she's right. I mean, it, it's somewhat, but it's, you know, he's there for a different reason. So she's right to just get up and get out of there herself, for sure. Yeah, you guys handle that. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, you guys clearly got something going on here that I don't really want to be involved in. Right, not my business. Jang is suffocated to the point of passing out, then gets his head beat with a nearby rock. And it's only with great difficulty that Su Hyun does stop himself from fully killing this guy, instead shoving the tracking capsule down his gut, which that's also very gross when he's just like poking it down his throat. Totally. Ugh. And it is like, yeah, you can see he he does have to stop him because that which makes sense. You know, you have him here. You know, this is the monster who killed your wife and unborn child and you would want to kill him. But he knows he's got a little. He's got a little more, a uh, little more in store for him than just death. You know, as the, there's right. a there's a death is too easy. There's like a faint old quote. I don't know what it is, but it's something like that. Like death is like too kind of a something for certain people. You know, right? It's it's wor- it, the the sweet sleep of death would be nothing compared to what he has in mind for this. Exactly. Guy. Jang wakes up with an envelope stuffed full of cash sitting on his chest, which he finds baffling. But he does count himself lucky to be alive, for now, since Su Hyun is watching. Mm-hmm. He hails a passing taxi who takes him in, saying it's on the way for the guy in the back, oh, the no. driver, and the passenger. Oh, are both, no. <laughs> I both for- very sketchy. <laughs> I forgot that these fucking everybody who encounters this guy is just fucked, you know? <laughs> That's right. It's an isolated area. Jang's shit has been kicked in six ways to Sunday, so he takes the ride. 
And there's a great 360 degree shot in the car here where if you look close, you notice that the driver doesn't match the taxi license photo, which I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the man in the back nervously grips a knife out of sight and suddenly Jang laughs. You think we're all lucky? You seem pretty unlucky to me. And it there's more just awesome standoff shots as they all wait to see who's going to make the first move. Yeah, oh, they're right. all they're clearly all bad guys, you know, and they're mm-hmm. all like, yeah, it, it's um, he basically just kill and just he killed <laughs> he kills them <laughs> just, oh, just sure. to be clear. And he, he sort of just, yeah, just does it because they're like annoying to him. Mostly, mm-hmm. you know, and I guess the other guy does have a knife, so he probably thinks maybe they're going to do something to him. But he's mostly yeah. just like kind of annoyed by them and he just decides to kill them. <laughs> That's right. He is the one to act first. He grabs his own hidden knife, jabs the driver's throat out and then lunges into the back. He goes hog wild as the car spins out mm-hmm. and the camera spins with it. And the way they shot this was pretty cool. Choyman Six said the external shots were shot previously and we composited those in. So in the backgrounds of the scene, that all happened previously. And then the interior shots of the cab were shot in a studio. And what we did was took the body of the taxi cab, cut the top of it off, replaced it with panels that were acrylic so you could see through the taxi into the interior. And we spun that taxi contraption around and had the camera moving back and forth out of frame in and out with the taxi spinning in there as well physically. And you literally see this in the behind the scenes documentary where they talk about the second unit director having to hang from a wire with the camera to shoot it with no cuts. It's a wild scene, and it's very complicated and looks great. Yeah, it looks great. I was going to say, it does. It comes out well. Like, you know, sometimes you put all this work into a shot, and it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, it just looks like pretty pedestrian. But yeah, no, this is a like a memorable visual shot in the film, for sure. Yes. The quote continued, what was interesting was we had the costumes prepared for the scene, Obviously, because there's so much blood spilling out in that scene, we had to change the costumes into new ones each time. We changed costumes about three times, but for the fourth time, because we didn't have multiple copies of the clothing, we actually had to quickly wash one set of clothes. (laughs) And even though it wasn't completely dry, we had to just put those on and shoot again for the fourth time, and that was the one where we got it. So they're all in soaking wet clothes there. That's funny. (laughs) Jang finds the corpse of the actual taxi driver in the trunk, and he loots a bag of clothes from it before dumping the corpses which Su Hyun discovers the following morning. And this unsureness of what's going on has left Jang adrift, and he sort of tries to re-anchor himself by lashing out in this hospital. He threatens the doctor, and he forces a nurse to strip in absolute agonizing silence. Oh, that's the, that one is like a tough scene to watch. Yeah. For real. Like, you know, even all the violence and stuff, like that one is just so fucking uncomfortable that the actor who's playing the nurse does a really really good job because you just you just feel so horrified for her and what she's experiencing and potentially going to experience and yeah it's a really really awful scene and then (laughs) and then what happens (laughs) our man rushes in and smashes jang in the face with a damn fire hydrant (laughs) this is when you sort of realize that he's okay he's just he's just gonna fuck with this guy you know this is where it sort of dawned on me at least that like oh i see what his thing is you know is that this guy is going to continually beat him and hurt him to just close to death and then let him live and yeah this is the scene where he does cut his achilles right yeah, it, he says, this is just the beginning. Your nightmare is only getting worse, which is chilling. And then, yeah, he cuts open Jang's Achilles tendon, which is cripes. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> and you see it. <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Um, I also, I laughed a lot when he he rushes in, he hits Jang with this fire hydrant, and Jang just goes, who the fuck are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, what, what is going on? Because he's killed so many people, yeah. so he doesn't really know, you know? Like, he probably doesn't have a, a great understanding. Oh, you must be related to this person, because he's killed so many different people. Right. And he, uh, yeah, Jang is talking to himself in the car afterward, while Soo Hyun eavesdrops with the faintest of smiles. The lighting of Jang is red and frenetic, while Soo Hyun is cool and blue. It just is all, it's all coming together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jang goes to visit an old pal who's also a killer named Taeju. Oh, this guy, the, the, the guys who are the cannibals? That's right. Oh, yeah, this he, guy is so <laughs> fucking awful. The big, huge guy who's just like so he's nasty. nasty. He's like, eating flesh and stuff and the, he's, like eating it like ribs, you know, where he's just like, mm-hmm. like, oh, man, this one <laughs> stick. He that 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 those scenes stick out as well. There really is. This movie really ruled. If you haven't seen this movie, I, I mean, I guess you probably have now because why would you be listening? You know what I mean? Like, right, for sure. Yeah, we're talking all before listening. <laughs> but yeah, man, it really, it doesn't have any real slow parts to it. No, definitely not. I, I also love the disturbing implication of the very funny line that Jang is like, aren't you sick of it? Like this, the, this is all this guy eats. And he says, "You once you've had it, you never get sick of it. It's like, oh God. Cannibalism. Yeah. I seen that. What was that? Oh, there was that movie bones and all. Did you watch mm, that? Right. Did you watch Timothy Chalamet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually didn't get around to that one yet. I, I heard heard some mixed things, but it did sound interesting to me. I so. liked it. It's not what it seems like it's gonna be. Like it's much more. Mm. It's like comic book, comic bookish. You know what I mean? Oh, like it's not like yeah. I thought it was gonna be this dark, like romantic, thr- like thing. You know, but between mm-hmm. cannibals, but it really has like a comic book feel. Like it feels like a weird. Like I would liken it to John Wick in the sense that it feels like it has this like weird world where like cannibalism is just acceptable do you know what i mean like it's like a different reality than what we live in it's kind of cool yeah sounds interesting these two killers apparently met forming a militant group trying to fuck over the world which that's a funny phrase (laughs) yeah that's great try to fuck over the world (laughs) (laughs) and these two killers do speculate about su hyun teju says he's our kind He's enjoying the excitement of the hunt. I think you're screwed this time. You created a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's sort he's of right. He is. He could. He nails it. Definitely. I mean, this guy seems pretty smart, honestly, because he's like he also he's the one who tells him that it's a relative, probably, right? Yeah. 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 This guy's pretty smart and insightful. This cannibal murderer. <laughs> Guess he's been getting away with it for long enough. He knows all the tricks. Yeah, it's true. He lives in. Oh, I was gonna say he lives in a nice place, but it's just some per- people they killed. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's some. They they literally have the people. The real homeowners are like down in the fridges um, yeah. that they've cut up and eaten. That's right. And and he does go to do a little meal prep. He looks at these leftovers. Who hasn't? been like ah, i ate all the best parts already <laughs> oh yeah we've all been there before like i guess i'll i guess i'll make maybe i'll make a stew or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's interrupted by suhyun though and jang wakes up in the other room almost sensing his presence he grabs a hunting rifle off the wall and chases suhyun out of the kitchen but the chase is still on so he sneaks back into the house uh, there is a great little levity moment where the cannibal is trying to free himself from the screwdriver that his hand is impaled with and it's in the table so hard that he yanks the grip off and has to slide his hand up and off instead. Yeah, that I mean, it's nasty. Visually, mm-hmm. it's nasty, but it is also funny, definitely. Yeah. 
Hyun does sustain a few injuries in the process, but dispatches Taeju and captures Jang, literally breaking a metal spear apart on his damn dome. And Jang gets dumped in a tunnel, and when he wakes up, he correctly identifies Hyun's fiancé and says, Hey, you underestimated me, fucker, and you'll regret not killing me. This is when he reveals the pre pregnancy to Hyun. Uh, and attacks a random pharmacist as just, like, punishment. He's like, hey, if you're chasing me, then I'm just going to fucking kill everybody. Yeah, which, I mean, listen, I feel like he is, gonna, he is doing that anyways, but he's just <laughs> sort of using it like, hey, hey, listen, you know, other people are going to die. It's like, come on, man. That's like your whole thing is killing people. Right. But, yeah, it is sort of the first turn where you – because later on, there's incredible, near the end of it, there's one of the most incredible scenes uh, in a movie. Um, but where you sort of get this sense, like, maybe he might be a formidable opponent, even though, like, this guy is chasing him around and fucking with him so badly. That's the first sort of, I, where you sort of, the idea that, hey, this guy he might be able to fucking go toe to toe, this serial killer, you know, like he might be able to actually do something in this whole, I don't know how, but you just feel it. Like, like he's not, this. he's not going to be able, he's not going to be able to win in this battle against this serial killer. Yeah. Jang does sift through his poop and finds the capsule. So he's onto him and he shoves it down some random taxi driver's throat next and steals his cab. Suhyun arrives seconds late, and now the trail is cold, which is also kind of a terrifying concept. Now they're back on sort of even footing here. Suhyun goes to the hospital. He questions the recovering Taeju, who warns him that Jang always gets even. First your girl, then her family, then he'll give himself up to the cops, so revenge is off the table, which Jang has already called ahead to set up. He also laughs at the thought that Jang likes to rape women before killing them, and possibly did so to Juyun. So Suhyun truly goes Joker mode. He goes, oh, you love to laugh, let's put a smile on that face, and he rips his cheeks open by pulling his jaw so hard, which is fucking crazy. Yeah, that's one of the craziest pieces of violence in a movie <laughs> that you can see where he pulls his jaw apart and rips his face apart. I mean, oh, it's does he, does he kill him? I mean, we don't see what happens We don't see, see happens but it, it presumably, you think, judging from what happened, it seems like he's <laughs> dead. It seems like yeah. he would have killed Hard him. Hard to come back from I that. I think so. He basically pulled his face apart. Jang does indeed go after the police chief. He bashes his damn face in with a weight. Then his other daughter arrives, and Jang says, Now here's my chance to really get Su Hyun's goat, and he grabs her. The cops try to stop Su Hyun from entering the crime scene. He beats his way in before someone recognizes him and belts him one for causing this whole situation. And the chief is alive, but cocooned in gauze, which, I mean, hey, that might not even be him under there. <laughs> yeah, it's you don't even see him. It just looks like uh, like from like a comedy sketch or something where he's yeah. like fully covered. Yeah, that's um, I guess they are kind of right. He did cause because he could have just he knew that this guy was the killer. Right. He could have either just killed him. killed him or turned him in. Like they would have said sure. turned him in. The police officially right. would say that. But even at the very worst, kill him. And right. then you're saving because they're, you know, listen, there's a lot of people who died and it's, you know, could have been avoided had you just killed this guy. Because he, you know, after he initially met him, he killed a lot more people after that, you know? Sure. Absolutely. The chief also squeezes Suhyun's hand, which is kind of like a gentle, little gentle reminder for us about how far he's fallen. Like, this is a, kind of a little touching moment there. And Jang calls the police to speak to Suhyun and gloat. He says, you think you won or me? And as promised, he gives himself up. Very dramatic fashion, I might add. 
out in the middle of this crosswalk oh, yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. And that is what a, what a, that we talked, I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. Like it is, I guess on one side, it's like he's, but it's sort of as like, I'm going to go to jail. Like it's sort of showing I'm terrified of what's going to continue to happen. But I guess it's also framed up more as I'm not going to give you what you want. You are not going right. to get what you want from me. And that is a, big theme and like later on in the movie the same thing whatever what you the thing you think you're gonna get you're not gonna get it from me you know i don't mm-hmm. I, I i don't have it to offer you but <laughs> our our man's got a few tricks up his sleeve as well <laughs> that's right he breaks this, this car door off so that he can grab <laughs> jang and abscond with him in motion very slick yeah with with the cops like he's like the cops are all around like he's doing yeah. it but of course these are just regular cops whereas he's like this you know special agent or whatever so he's working That's at a right. higher level the behind the scenes documentary did the same stitching together several failed attempts of Choi trying to jump into the moving car <laughs> she's like why are you doing this to these guys <laughs> um but there's a great shot of the highway here, which also feels very Lost Highway. So turn the David Lynch referenceometer to two <laughs> as it conjures up the feeling of being out of control and lost, but having to keep moving forward. And they do get out. Soo Hyun says, you're right. I made a mistake underestimating you and it won't happen again. And then he starts the torture. Jang immediately begs for death, though. The you know this, it, He earlier says that um, cowardice comes from imagination. Mm-hmm. And so try not to imagine. Oh, no, that's an old boy. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I watched, I gonna, like I said, I watched that recently. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's a different film. <laughs> that is. Yeah, that is old boy. Well, it still applies. Cowardice comes from imagination. And uh, and he can dish it but not take it here, which I guess is part of, you know, as a, a torturer himself. He's like, well, I know how this is going to go. But Soo Hyun uh, stops his talking with a screwdriver in the cheek, which is also quite nasty. He promises that the real revenge comes by killing him when he's at his lowest, trembling in fear. Jang begs for his life. He also attempts to hurry things up. But then when it's not going his way, he just sort of shuts down saying, that was an act. I feel nothing. You've already lost, which is kind of a, a little twist in and of itself. And it, I wonder, that's the, do you think that's real? Yeah. Do you think that he is a sociopath? Yes, I think that that's the way I took that is that it was an act, the thing, not that he changed up, that, that his whole begging for his life was an act because he's like sort of doing it in that classic scene where it's like zoom, it's on his face, you know, and he's like, looks yeah. so emotive. And then all of a sudden he just like sort of his head or his eyes sort of shut and then he opens them up and and he's sort of smiling at him and telling him and that's like sort of that moment where you think to yourself oh man he doesn't have the thing you're looking for he's not going to feel that low moment you're never going to get him he doesn't care about any of this you lose you know you're right. the one who you're i don't care about my life or anybody else's life i don't fucking care about living or dying you are the one who cares you lost your child and your your partner and i am the winner here and in that moment when i'm watching i'm like oh man like this he got him you know, he's he's going to butt again. <laughs> Our guy has got some real, he's got real stuff up his sleeve. That's right. That's right. He says, I hope you suffer even after you die. That's his final word. And then he locks Jang in a saw trap where he's holding the guillotine with a rope in his mouth that's also attached to the door. And who should arrive but Jang's parents and son? as Soo Hyun walks away like a badass. So that is because when you first see it in his, you know, you're like, it's attached to the door. 
and you're, I'm trying to like do quick. I'm trying to like figure out what is this, what is going on. Right. How will it release? How will it release? What are we setting up for here? And yeah, when you see the young son and the mother, and then you it so that for me, I was like, oh my god! Like he he did figure it out. He did figure out the one thing that he cares about, and that is to. He wants, you know, his his family or whatever. He still wants them to think of him in this n- normal sort of way, and he still actually does care about those people in a weird, bizarre way. And so he found the one in right before he dies, because yeah, that's that's what happens, right? To really make him feel that way that he felt in that moment. So he does indeed, in the end, get his revenge. That's right. Yeah, he, he's screaming, don't open the door, get out of here. But they do open it. They release the trap. It chops off his damn head, which rolls over and scares the fuck out of them. Yeah. <laughs> and their screams finally let Su Hyun know it's over. And he removes the earphone connected to the bug, looking satisfied for a second and then starting to weep. Presumably a mix of catharsis and reflection on both what he has lost, not only referring to his family... Uh, but also internally bringing himself to that level. It's a really powerful ending. I really like it a lot. I think that it's a great encapsulation of the theme of this movie, which is like, what is the revenge costing you internally as well? Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's great. And just the, the concept of it, it's really, you know, hooking that up, having his own family end up killing him yeah yeah just the mechanics of it and everything like that outside of like the emotional part of it is just a very cool ending to a revenge movie as well and like i i really enjoy that turn where you think for a second oh this sociopath doesn't care and you don't have a way to like that that scene when Choi min six says that like when he looks straight into his eyes and says like whatever the line is like you can't take you know like i you don't you can't take that from whatever it is that he says it's like oh man one of the one of the real best scenes in, in a movie and then yeah to to have it end up that way where you're sure at least I was where I was like he's not going to get his revenge in the way he wanted to that he does manage to do it after that um yeah yeah was a real turn for me and yeah I I it's reason why it's one of my favorite movies ever and why it's one of the few movies that I will go back and watch uh, over again I don't re-watch a lot of movies but this movie I've seen four or five times probably so we've now reached the part of the episode, Chris, where we'll, uh, you sort of just summed up a lot of your thoughts on this movie, but this is sort of our final moments. Talk about what makes this the best horror movie ever made, or uh, to you, at least one of the best. Yeah, I would say, yeah, like, like I, like I said, I think that it subverts a little bit expectation wise in, in, um, revenge. And I just think that it is the most creative revenge movie and and that i have ever seen the ending is incredible uh but yeah the ultra violence the commitment to brutal brutal in your face realistic violence and this monster uh of a character i love movies that have real nasty villains in them i just watched um the great silence 
it's a spaghetti western, Italian spaghetti western. Um, but it's uh, what's the guy's name who worked now? Now I can, he worked with Werner Herzog all the time. The really terrible Klaus Klaus Kinski plays the bad guy in that movie. And wow. oh man, if you want to see the nastiest villain in a movie, but I just love really really horrifyingly nasty characters in movies and and realistic ones and i think this is like there are such a realistic monster that you probably won't but you could actually encounter in your life and those instances of just you know him being in a car with somebody or picking them up or whatever the realism of it coupled with how good of an actor he is and how well he embodies that role i think like elevates this movie into being one of the you know i think best revenge movies and one of the best most horrifying movies ever made Absolutely. To me, this is the best horror movie ever made because it is such an interesting take on a on a revenge movie that does function. It does fulfill the function of like, yeah, I want to see a bad guy get his comeuppance and yeah. like and it delivers on that in spades. But it also has a really interesting take on the fact that revenge does not equal redemption. And that's what this character is attempting to do, is fill this hole in his heart, basically. That he has lost this and he thinks revenge will fill it. But, like they say, revenge is for movies. <laughs> you know, it's it's not something that will actually help you. And we do see that it, you can almost be like, well, it's not only sort of a hollow victory, but almost even a Pyrrhic one. Since it does come at the cost of his own integrity and, like... And, probably job jo like you know in a more yeah. material way yeah like his job i'm sure he can't continue to work in his job anymore he has to he's right. a he's a fugitive now he's like a, you right. know he's a fugitive from the law yeah and he was brought down to the level of the man that he was seeking revenge against and uh and so he saw the devil and became him that's right and uh i just think that that's really great the performances are incredible we've been gushing over them the entire episode but Choi Min-sik and Lee Byung-hun, both incredible, incredible actors, not just within the scope of Korean movies, but within movies in general. They're both absolutely incredible. I think that they deliver here with one of the best directors uh, working, and I just love it. I think this movie is incredible. It is sort of something to work up to, maybe, if you're not super into violence, but... I do think it's worthwhile for for even people who do struggle with it. I think it, it might be worth your your uh, an attempt at least. Yeah, you you might find yourself turning away from the screen at times. It's you know it's not like Ichi or anything like that at that level. But yeah, it has torture and it has proper ultra violence that we've described in this. So you, you know if you're not if you don't like that, you might look away. But I still think you could enjoy the movie. Honestly, I really do because I think yeah, on it's just a fantastic movie. And yeah, definitely, if you take one thing away, go find Choi Min Sik movies where he is the lead actor in them and and watch him. He is Hell just yeah. fucking fantastic. And I don't think uh, enough people, like North American people, have seen a lot of it. You know, I think a lot of people have maybe seen this and Old Boy, um, but haven't seen a lot of his films. And he's just fantastic in everything he does that's right that's absolutely right that's it chris i want to thank you so much for coming on the show man this was an absolute blast please tell the people where they can find you where they can listen to you all that jazz uh you can find me not even a show on youtube is my youtube prank channel not even a show on twitch not even a show on patreon and then yeah as you mentioned i do uh, a podcast called guys with 
Brian Quimby uh, and where we talk about a different type of guy each week. It's a really fun podcast. We've got some episodes coming out. Uh, We did Zach Cherry we have coming out as a guest. We have Derek and Drill, Libby Watson. So yeah, some great guests on there and it's really, really fun. People enjoy it a lot. So yeah, go give that a listen. Hell yeah, I've been really enjoying it myself. I will recommend the Autographs Guys one as a really interesting place to start, especially for horror fans who, you know, you guys spoke a lot about sports memorabilia on that episode, but it's definitely a thing in horror as well that people go to these cons and everything. So uh, a pretty fascinating look at the Autograph Guys of the world. Uh, So check that out. Uh, As far as my plugs, you can listen to more episodes of The Best Little Horror House in Philly, where we have also all kinds of great guests, including uh, Mike Mitchell from the Doughboys, who has also been on Guys. He was uh, he did Hot Sauce Guys. That's right. Him and Nick came on. Yeah, we have uh, some some very cool cartoonists like Corinne Halbert and and Branson Reese. Oh, I have a I have a Branson Reese T-shirt. I love Branson Reese. Yeah. Oh, he's incredible. Swan Boy amazing and and he's a very smart guy and very funny as well so definitely check out that episode that he did um and if you're really enjoying the show there is a patreon with bonus episodes where things that don't necessarily fit into the category of best horror movie ever made uh things go over there so like like branson came back to talk about the 13 best animated shorts from 1929 to 1953 (laughs) (laughs) yeah Sometimes you just got to do that. And and so that that fits over on the Patreon. So all kinds of great bonus episodes. Rate and review if you're enjoying it. Twitter, I don't do it. I'm not really on Twitter anymore, so I'm not even going to bother plugging that. Uh, Letterboxd, uh, Little Horror PHL, that's pretty much it. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.